0: Welcome to another inspirational message from City Life Center Church. If you are ever in the area, come visit one of our services. We would love to meet you. Enjoy the message. Genesis 37, starting a new series today called Heroes. We're gonna be talking about a lot of different ordinary folks. Here's the cool thing about heroes in the Bible is their lives dovetail with ours. That's how actually the, the Word of God works. It's really, really powerful that their stories are kind of like our stories and we learn from them and, and we, our faith is boosted through them. In fact, we're gonna learn about some of these gritty, faith-engaging people like Gideon and, and Esther, uh, Jonah, Stephen. This week, though, I'm launching it with a message about Joseph. In fact, the title of my message today is Joseph. It's the best and the worst of times because that's what he experienced. A lot like some of you guys have had. Thank you very much, and I want you guys to open your hearts now. You see, Joseph was a dreamer. He was this dreamer who was this man of extremes. I mean, he had extreme patience, extreme character. He had steady faith. God used him to save a nation. God used him to rescue the family that rejected him. But he's a dreamer. And, and really, dreams are really, really kind of at the foundation of this whole message because every one of us are dreamers to some degree. I talk a lot about that. And, and I know that we, I shared a message just a few weeks ago about how important it is to be that dreamer. And sometimes we share, sometimes we don't share the dream. But, but I think it's good to be a dreamer. A few weeks ago, I, uh, I discovered or kind of rediscovered a very interesting project that was in my desk, and it was a project that my oldest son, Preston, had created, and I didn't ask him permission to show this today. I haven't even talked to you about it since the early service, Preston. I don't even know whether you remember the project or not, but this is something I've treasured in my office since he was about eight years old. He's 24 now. But it was a project that he was assigned to do in school, that related to Martin Luther King's "I Have a Dream" speech. Now, I want you to see the project. It's kind of cool because this is his cover right here. And Preston's never been one who's heavy into art, but but he, he, he gives this some attention here. Well, I mean, come on, here, look at it. I mean, don't you love the H really kind of swirly and, and uh, you know, he's not quite sure what to do on the A on the A. Is that a have or a have or whatever? But but. But you look at it, and I just love I was just looking at the detail on this thing because here you see the little It's the, a the cloud and his main title. And, and then the little bursts, it's like the sun is behind that cloud. And, and then he has these little red flicks all the way around it. It's kind of cool how, how he did that. And then his name's on it. Obviously, his, te- his teacher wrote third grade. and um, I really loved it. I love the title. But, but I remember the day when I got it and I opened it up and read the inside of it. And I started reading his I Have a Dream speech. I want you to look at it because he said, this is a, out of a little kid's imagination, his heart. He said, I have a dream that one day I'll be a pastor and I'm gonna save people from going to hell. He doesn't actually say he says, no, I save, because, and save people from going to hell. So he has this theology, right? But I like the way he has hell because this is where the artistic part of him comes out because he's going to make sure that the hell is emphasized. And so he puts these little flames or smoke next to it and writes a little more on there. Hell. Uh, I don't like that. but Because it's real. I mean, it is real. I love that, though. He says, it is something I really want to do when I grow up. And he says, I would also like it because... I would be pleasing God. And what I find riveting about this little third grade project is the dream came to pass. And truth is, Preston, I don't think you've really thought much about that project since you turned it in as a little kid. But I've kept it in my office for years and I've treasured it and I've even prayed over it. I've never brought it back to you and said, look, see, you better do it. No, no, it's just, but it's just been something that resonated in my heart as well. Because the thing is, dreams do come true. You've got to keep pressing through. Never minimize the power of the dream that's locked inside of you. Because a dream is like a seed of something God wants to do in you and through you and for you. And your life has purpose and God has put that purpose deep into your heart. And it could be through business, it could be through the arts, it could be through the local church. You know, who knows where it is, I don't know, but, but you know, maybe it's through your family. But God has stirred up a dream in you. Your life has purpose, and so did Joseph's. Genesis chapter 37, we get a look at the story of Joseph, and it doesn't really start off all that great, because it starts off with this, this, this kid that is a daddy's boy. He's a daddy's boy. His dad's name was Israel. And and the scripture tells us in in Genesis 37, 3, and I'd love for you to look at this in your Bibles. He says, Israel loved Joseph more than his other sons. And he got some really, really cool clothes for this special son. So this son got the best, coolest clothes. And he loved him extra. Now, just, just pause right there. Let's not rush past this because obviously Joseph's dad wasn't very smart. Um, he had not read the scrolls that were there. I'm sure they were there at the little Amazon walk-up store or scroll store or something like that on, on like Bedouin parenting for dummies or something like that. I, I, I'm sure it was there, but he just chose to not read it because these are some really bad moves. He's displaying the dysfunction of his family. And the truth is, he had a very dysfunctional family. (laughs) Like you thought you had a dysfunctional family, this guy had a very dysfunctional family. So we have Jacob, who's renamed Israel by God. He's a blessed man, but he's also a dysfunctional man, which is good for every single one of you. Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life, you're blessed, but you might still be a little dysfunctional. The cool thing is, is God will still set things in motion for you just like he did for Joseph and for him at that point. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this right here, this part of the sermon is proof. And I want you guys just to open your hearts. Because I'm going to get your pens ready, get your hearts ready, write some things down because God's going to speak some things, probably several things to you today that you need to take action on when you leave. But this is proof right here that God can even use bad parenting to get you to your destiny. It shows up a little bit later because now we see him turning into this what I call an arrogant teen. <laughs> he has these wild, vivid, crazy dreams and in verse seven, he begins to tell his brothers about one of the dreams. He said, hey, guys, guys get, gather around, you gotta hear this, your sheaves of grain gathered around and they bowed down to my sheave. ha ha ha, the coolest dream ever. You know, his brothers are looking at him going, okay yeah and and so then then he he comes back and tells them another dream and and this time he includes his dad in the story and he's he just says oh man you guys have to hear this the sun and the moon and he's kind of looking at his mom and dad while he's saying that and the 11 stars let's see how many brothers I have well 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 11 oh okay they were bowing down to me (laughs) <laughs> and then he goes, wearing his cool clothes. Okay, what's beginning to happen with his brothers, understanding also that his 10 older brothers are half-brothers? See, Joseph did have these dreams from God. He didn't really know exactly what they meant, but they begin to incite some anger and resentment in, in his family, and even his dad didn't like his dreams, but the, truth, the Bible says that, is that the dad actually took the dreams and he treasured them in his heart, and he began to ponder them. But the truth is, though, I'm telling you guys, you have dreams, and you have dreams for good things to happen. And some people are going to be happy for your success, and, 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 and they're going to be happy even for your dream for success, but, but some will not be happy with you at all if your dream for success or your success means that you're actually going to do better in their eyes than them. And sometimes it's even people who are closest to you that will kind of push you back when you begin to pursue your dreams and your visions and your passion and your purpose. But as you do so, keep Jesus at the center of it all. And I'm asking you, pursue your dreams unapologetically with Jesus at the center. That's the heart of what I'm sharing with you today. Yeah, at the same time, I think it's important that you, you be very careful with whom you share your dreams. See, God didn't tell Joseph, okay, now go share your dreams with everybody, but he did anyway. Yeah, I mean, it could have been excitement, pride, I think mean, it's just arrogance. Kid with the cool clothes now gets the cool dreams about everybody bowing down to him. Regardless, it got him into a lot of trouble. Yet at the same time, you gotta think about this. You might know, say, say, oh, Joseph, truth is, some of you are just as arrogant. Like, God, Tim, you can't say that. Yeah, it is. I mean, in a group of size, there's always some people that are arrogant. <laughs> and, and that means, or you just have some imperfections in your life, and I'm not getting onto you. I'm just saying it's a reality. But that doesn't mean God won't even use you. That's how amazing God is. That's the, that's the paradox of how God works. It, I can't figure it out. That's truth this is though that dreams do come true. You gotta keep pressing through even if you don't have it all together or you came from a messed up family. But due to his arrogance, uh, things are about to change. Now things begin sliding downhill. Uh, he becomes what I call the rejected brother. He's, he finds that his 10 older uh, half-brothers, they're out in the fields. He finds them, and they're far away from the ranch house, and he comes to them, and as they see him coming up, and they begin to get angry and stirring, and uh, uh, you know, he's coming in his cool clothes. Well, here comes the dreamer and all this kind of stuff, and look at what happens in verse 23. Look at this. Genesis 37, 23 says, when Joseph came to his brothers, look at this, they stripped him him of his ornate robe, and they threw him into a cistern. He was thrown into this, uh, this, this, this big pit in the ground. Now, now think about this. He's 17 years old. Can you imagine at the age of 17 having a traumatic event happen to you like that? Literally having your clothes torn from you, and your family throwing you into a pit and leaving you to die. That, that, that is... Some of you have suffered rejection, many of you have, but I'm telling you, that's, that's some horrific rejection and abuse, and it comes from a very dysfunctional family. Yet at the same time, dreams still come true, and you gotta keep pressing through, even if your family has abused you and rejected you. And then there's this glimmer of hope. They start to pull him out of the pit. He's going, okay, great, things might change, but now he turns into this, what I call, an enslaved nobody. See, his family decided to go ahead and make some money off of him instead of letting him die. And look down in verse 28, it says this. It says, when the Midianite merchants came by, his brothers pulled Joseph up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver. And these Ishmaelites took him to Egypt. Down in verse 36, it continues. It says, the Midianites then sold Joseph in Egypt to a guy named Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials who is the captain of Pharaoh's guard. I want you to think about this. Here's the reality. He's sold into slavery. He is now a victim of human trafficking. And this has basically turned him into a a, a debased, abused, rejected nobody who's being traded on an auction block like a commodity. Can you imagine the humiliation and pain? At the same time, dreams do come true. And you gotta keep pressing through. Even if you right now feel like you're a nobody and here he is in his position of slavery, and, and God begins to honor all that he does, and he's working for Potiphar, and he has this strong work ethic, he has this, he's living this life of integrity, so actually, Potiphar puts him in charge of the entire household, all the affairs of the home, and, and so he's kind of risen up rather quickly, and, but then everything all of a sudden changes yet again. He becomes what I call now the accused servant. You see, he was doing all the right things. He was serving his boss well, but over in chapter 39, verse six, we see some things happening. In verses six through eight, there are a few little snippets I wanna pull out here. Take a look at this. It says, Joseph was well built and handsome. And then it says, after a while, Potiphar's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. Now, now we have Joseph being the victim of sexual harassment in the workplace from his boss's wife. And see, this continued and went on and on and on. I mean, she would not relent. She wouldn't give up. Down in verse 12, we see that things come to this climactic moment where, where one time just the lust consumed her. And, she, and he was obviously in the house because he was in charge of the whole household. And she grabbed him by his cloak and she said, come to bed with me. But what he did is he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. See, he did the right thing. He he ran away from the temptation. He ran away from the seductress. Obviously, this lady had tried this before. She knew that it would work. But you see, and then I start thinking about the actions of this Roman. It's just wrong on so many different levels and, and the position it put Joseph in. But see, his rejection of her sexual advances then made the woman angry. Look at verse 16, how she then turns the tables says that she kept the cloak beside her until his master, Potiphar, came home. And then she told Potiphar this story. She said, that Hebrew slave you brought us, look at that, (laughs) that Hebrew slave you brought us, pushing it back on him, came to me and made sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When the master heard the story his wife told him, saying this is how your slave treated me, he began to burn with anger. Now the boss is mad. <laughs> the boss is burning with anger. See, you have this false accusation that's thrown on him and Joseph was really the victim of the sexual harassment, not her, But and here's how the enemy works though. Hey dreamers, listen. When the, when the enemy wants to fight you, what he will do many times is he will stir up, and you guys know this, many of you have dealt with this, he will stir up accusations against you, especially to accuse you of what, really, the other person is actually doing. See, there's this thing called projection where some people will are, 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 have, have some hangups and, and they will begin to project on you their own sins, their own hang-ups, their own misdeeds, and they begin to just say well this is what you're doing when it's not even remotely true. That stuff happens in life. You will get falsely accused if you haven't already. Some of you are dealing with it right now, false accusation. You know it didn't happen, it's not true. You lost ground because of it. It may have even come from someone that you loved, someone you served, someone you were close to but you can't let false accusation steal your dreams because dreams do still come true. So you gotta keep pressing through even when people falsely accuse you. You might have been victimized, you, 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 but you don't still have to be the victim. I'll say it again, you may have been victimized, but you don't have to be the victim, you get it? Well, the story continues. Chapter 39, verse 20. He becomes now what I call the incarcerated convict. Uh, it's where verse 20 it says Joseph's master took him and put him in prison where the king's prisoners are confined. Basically this was an underground dungeon, a dark, ugly place with high security. It's kind of, it's like the king's place where he puts political prisoners of some sort. Uh, it, it would have been like the Tower of London except upside down, underground, you know, in Egypt. It you know, like the basement of Egypt or whatever. Some of you, you've, you've dreamed and you've believed and you've done the right things, yet at the same time you've been like tossed into a dungeon. And that is what happened to Joseph and that's what's happening to some of you. Yet even if you're in your dungeon, dreams still do come true. You need to keep pressing through. Even if there's darkness all around you and you feel locked up. What you have to do in that setting is you just continue to be used by God. Don't quit your ministry. Don't drop out. Don't retreat and take the broad road that everybody else is taking to destruction saying, forget it. I'm just going to take this route. I want you to look at Genesis chapter 40, verse 5 as we continue with the story. Now we see him being used as what I call an instrument of God. See, his good reputation and work ethic and integrity caused the, uh, the warden to elevate him to be the guy who's in charge of all the prisoners. Now he's the prisoner in charge of the prisoners. Kind of like he was with Potiphar, he was a slave in charge of, of all the other slaves. So he has this favor even while he's in prison because of who he is and how he acts. At this point, it's estimated he's about 28 years old. This is 11 years after his brothers sold him into slavery. He's in prison. I can tell you, you might be in charge of the prison, but you're, if you're still in prison, you're in prison. That is not a delightful place to be. Take a look, though, at how the story continues. Genesis chapter 40, verse five. Things get interesting here. It says the cupbearer and the baker, uh, the cupbearer and the baker, they would have been like two people that would have, would have sampled the food to make sure there wasn't poison or black magic or anything associated with it. Uh, so, so, so they would taste the food, but both of them were being held in prison and they had a dream the same night, and each had a dream meaning something different. Verse eight, they tell the prisoners, look at verse eight. It says, we both had dreams, but there is no one to interpret them. And then Joseph stands up and says, well, don't dream interpretations belong to God? You see how that, he, he took the, their desperate situation and basically pointed it right back to God. That's a key right there. That's a key to surviving in the dungeon. And he says, tell me your dreams. And these, this response, do not interpretations belong to God, tell me your dreams, was, no, and it was not about Joseph trying to make himself look good. What he was doing is he was directing the attention and the affection of God. He was honoring God in the middle of his prison, in the middle of his darkest time. You might feel like you're at the end of your options. I'm telling you guys, keep honoring God. Keep doing ministry. God works through you even if you don't feel good. That's one thing I learned about ministry as a pastor. Like, sometimes Sundays come around and I don't feel good. Four o'clock this morning, my little alarm went off and my head was going wow, wow, wow. I was like, uh uh-uh. (laughs) <laughs> it's Sunday morning, and it's funny because I told you guys, this This happens to me just like it does to you. I was thinking, this is a sleep-in day, like right, you know, right, right, right. And it, it's funny because really, I mean, really for, for like 30 seconds, I of the temptation was on I mean, like, just, you don't feel good, things are bad, you know, you got this headache from whatever, and... And you know, and it's just like allergies stuff I'm like no. I got out of bed. I'm not gonna do that. Get my brain cleared out or whatever needs to happen here, and I'm gonna feel good. I'm gonna get get myself going. I'm gonna keep doing ministry. So so Joseph ministered, he told the guys what the dreams meant, that the baker was going to be executed and the butler was going to be, or the cupbearer was going to be returned to his job, the baker and the butler. I think that's a different story. That's like uh, Disney or something like that. But, but in verse, verse 14, verse 14 we see that Joseph is now saying this to the cupbearer. Now watch this. He's told him about what's going to happen to him. Tomorrow you're going back to work. Now he says, hey listen, when all goes well with you, remember me. Will you show me kindness? Mention me to Pharaoh and and get me out of this prison. I I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews and even here I have done nothing to deserve being placed in this dungeon. But unfortunately, the cupbearer forgot about him. Some of you have experienced this. You, You have done something to help someone else. Maybe you've gone way out of your way, but you feel unappreciated, overlooked, forgotten. What are you gonna do? Like, well, I'm just gonna cop out. I, I'm just gonna, gonna forget it all. I'm gonna go get high and get drunk so I can escape all of my misery. Or, or I'm just gonna go take a trip around the world so I can discover myself or indulge myself and get lost in Netflix. I mean, what, what a loser way to live. I'm sorry, it's true. I'm not sorry, it is true. What a waste! Joseph says, I'm just gonna keep serving faithfully. I'm gonna keep leading faithfully. I'm gonna put God first in spite of my setbacks yet again. So he does, he keeps leading in the prison. In chapter 41, verse one, we see things beginning to shift. It says two full years had passed, two years. Pharaoh has a dream. Joseph's now 30 years old. He has this dream of, of seven fat cows and seven skinny cows, the sc- the skinny cows eating the fat cows. I mean, it's like it's like Pharaoh was, was hanging out at the stockyards and then ate some bad food from over there, because there's you know some good and some very bad food over there. And he you know, he'd probably gotten some of that in him and, and was sleeping and dreaming. That's what it sounds like. Uh, you know, and about these grain that there the, were the fat grain and skinny grain, skinny grain at the fat grain, they stayed skinny. And so he's kind of freaked out, but he knows that the the uh, Pharaoh believes that the dream has has some kind of a divine origin but nobody can tell him what it meant and so so then out of nowhere the cupbearer goes oh wait a minute, wait a minute. Hey, hey hey pharaoh <laughs> pharaoh i remember something there's this guy in prison and so look at verse 14 it says so pharaoh sent for joseph he was quickly brought out of the dungeon, and when he had shaved and, and gotten his nice clothes on, obviously he had to shower and shave, and he was in a bad dungeon. They had to make him look good to come before the king and make him look kind of, you know, like Egyptians do, uh, how they, they do like that. I'm sure they, they're proud. Okay, here's how to walk like an Egyptian, and, and they got him all set up, and he came before Pharaoh, and Pharaoh said to Joseph, he said, I've had a dream. No one can interpret it. Listen to what Pharaoh says. He said, but I've heard it said of you, that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Most powerful man in the world at that time, you're standing in front of him. He says, I've heard this about you, that you can do this. Here's the moment, what does he say? He goes, yes, I have powers, I am anointed, I am what you've been looking for, what's in it for me? I will tell you about your dream. Now, he says the most ridiculous answer, at least in human minds, he says, I can't do it. (laughs) I <laughs> like this, but God, look at that, I cannot do it, but God will give favor of the answer he desires. See, he doesn't prop himself up. And you guys, this is a big, big lesson. I cannot do it but God. See, God is again, he has to be at the center of our lives. Dreamers, if you really wanna see God work through you and your dreams come to pass, you gotta keep God at the center of your life and give him credit even before things begin to turn around because God can do it. He can do anything through you. He really, really can. Uh, here's the deal, are you willing to give God credit even before the dream comes to pass? Because dreams do come true. For those who press through. So you need to step forward. Some opportunities are about ready to come your way. And when you step forward, you keep God right at the center. Right at the center. I can't pastor this church. But God through me can do amazing things. It's not me. It's God. You see? It's God. Joseph then Interprets the dream about a seven-year famine coming preceded by seven years of huge abundance. And so he said preparations need to begin now. You need a change in government. You need a kind of a new administration. You need a whole new department. And, and, uh, and now he then moves from prisoner to an empowered leader under Pharaoh. Look, look down at verse 37. Here he is, 30 years old. It was 13 years earlier when his brothers tried to dash all of his hopes for life. And something begins to change because Pharaoh asked the people in his court. He said, can anyone, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. Do you see now? Pharaoh's giving praise to God. Pharaoh's putting God in the center of all this because Joseph did in the first place. He says, so therefore, since God is in you, you're going to be in charge of my palace and all my people, you're going to submit to his orders. Only with respect to the throne I'm sitting on will I be greater than you. So then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. And here's what's amazing, because we don't see this happening anywhere else. Pharaoh then takes his own signet ring off of him. He, he doesn't like have a copy made. He doesn't, he doesn't go and, and get an extra one. He now gives authority of the Pharaoh, takes it off of his, his finger and places it on Joseph's finger dresses him in robes, fine linen around his, put gold chains on him, bling, you know, and says, you're gonna ride in this chariot, kind of a cool car, and everywhere you go, there's gonna be someone in front honking the horns, saying, everybody get out of the way, make way, make way, and they put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Have you guys seen a, like a presidential or an elite motorcade coming through town? Sometimes we see those things and, and it's like, Yo, you gotta get out of the way, you gotta stop, you gotta wait because the important person is coming through. Hang out in D.C., you'll see that a lot. People rushing around it's like, oh, that's an important person, You're not quite sure who. But, but this began to happen to Joseph. The prisoner is all of a sudden the most important person in the land. Everything shifted in a moment, but it really didn't just happen in a moment. It was 13 years of Joseph putting God first, working, giving his best, honoring and ministering that brought him to this place. I'm telling you guys, dreams do come true, but you have to keep pressing even through the dark times. And God can and will shift that situation overnight. Now, the, the guards, even in your situation right now, you might feel like you're in that dungeon, but the guards just might be walking in right now about ready to wake you up out of your dungeon right now saying, hey, wake up. You have an appointment with destiny. Get up, clean up, sharpen up. Tomorrow's going to be different than today. Today. Then he gets children things begin to develop for him. And in, in chapter 41, verse 50, I, I love this part. He's like, he's a blessed man. We see that the, the scripture says in verse 50 that before the years of the famine came, he had two sons. Uh, and, and those two sons were, were born to him. And Joseph named his first son Manasseh, and it was for this reason. He said, it Is because God has made me forget all my troubles in my father's household. That's what the Manasseh meant. The second son was named Ephraim. But the meaning of his name was this. It is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Now, now parents usually go through a lot of you know, efforts to seek out and find the perfect name for their child. I get it. I'm into that. And these were days of abundance, and God had rewarded Joseph with authority and provision and a wife for his family, and he's starting this family. And so, so he's telling his wife one day, hey, sweetheart, she goes, yeah, Joey, because I think she would have called him Joey. They, you know, they would have been clown clothes. Yeah, Joey, and, and he goes, I, I've got this idea. I want to name our first son, God made me forget. He's like, what? God made, it's like every time we call him, he's like, God made me forget. God made me forget, because that's really what would have happened when they would have said his name. God made me forget. So they named him that. Then the next one came along and he's like, okay, I've got this really cool name for our next son. You ready? You ready? I, I, we're going to name our son God Made Me Fruitful. Like, okay, what is all this about? But, you know, I, She may have objected, but she really couldn't object much because this guy had a lot of power. And basically, here's what was happening. I want you to understand this. God was still, he was still giving praise to God in the midst of now his abundance, but he was basically saying, God made me forget every time he called his son's name. Basically, what he was saying is, hey, every time I call your name, it reminds me that God has healed me of my wounds, of all the things that others have done to me. Every time I call my son's name, I'm saying, God brings healing to me. God brought healing to me. God made me forget the pain of my past. Every time he would call out his other son, he would give praise to God because he was saying, God brings results out of my life. God has brought fruit out of my life when I didn't think anything was going to happen. And still, the dream was kept alive. Can you choose to live that way? Maybe some of us need to stop fighting for healing and allow God to heal us. Some of us need to start fighting for our place and let God elevate us because dreams do come true. You just got to keep pressing through because God and time will heal your wounds. Then after things moved forward with this famine, his brothers then ended up coming into Egypt to get some supplies and long sequence of drama unfolds for the next four chapters, and his brothers do come and bow down to him, and, and at that moment, Joseph recognizes them, and then he remembers the dreams, and he's going, oh my goodness, too much deja vu, weirdness going on here. They don't recognize Joseph. I mean, he looks pharaohish. You guys have seen seen the pictures of pharaohs. I mean, you know, they got the cool beards, and they're sitting there all, like all, uh, you know, they're like Egyptians, and, and these guys are, are like 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 grungy. I mean, they're, they, they are not good looking. Maybe just, you know, they got their beards and everything. Nothing wrong with but they're not looking good they don't have like the cool they don't have the 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 cool you know egyptian beard going on i'm sure joseph had that really he would have been looking good they don't recognize him and they're talking amongst themselves he can understand everything they're saying to each other yet he continues to speak to this interpreter and he begins putting them through test after test four chapters of it it's just incredible but then finally after they come back to them after Joseph has really seen that these guys are serious and, 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 uh, and he wants to help his family, Joseph finally breaks down. At this point, the man is 40 years old. Genesis chapter 45, we now see Joseph as the forgiving victim. Genesis chapter 45, verse one, it said, Joseph could no longer control himself before his attendants and he cried out, have everyone leave my presence. They all took off except for Joseph's brothers. He said, there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly the Egyptians heard him and even Pharaoh's household heard about it. And Joseph said to his brothers, I'm Joseph. Is dad still alive? His brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. I mean, who would not be, you know, with the Egyptian with the beard. And so Joseph is saying to them, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I'm your brother, Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now don't be, look at this. Now don't be distressed. And do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because all of that bad stuff was so that God could save lives. So God just sent me ahead of you. How could he be so forgiving? I mean, he's the victim. He has the opportunity for revenge. He could, not, he could put them in prison. Actually, he could, do, he could have them killed right on the spot. But in doing so, revenge would put him back in his own prison. Some of us, we say this, we say, I'm going to have the last word in this situation. I think that's a good attitude to have, an attitude of determination of having the last word, as long as your last words are words of blessing, and not revenge because revenge will eat you alive and they will snuff out your dreams and revenge isn't worth giving up the dreams in your heart for because dreams do come true. You've got to keep pressing through and you have to forgive the people who were out to destroy you. Verse 21 wraps up the story. He becomes this instrument of blessing the story goes on about how Joseph gave all this stuff stuff to his brothers, and you know you can read all through there. And they go back home. They take all these massive amounts of stuff he gave all of his brothers new clothes. Just think about that. He gave his brothers new clothes. The, bro- the brothers who had torn his clothes off of him. He gave them all new clothes. And his one full-blooded brother, he gave him like five sets of clothes and a bunch of stuff for his dad. And and the Pharaoh wanted to bless them too and gave them all kinds of stuff. And and the story is just quite wonderful. The, blessing came, the family was healed, and, but not just a nation was rescued. Joseph also rescued his dad and his brother and even his 10 half-brothers who loathed him. His dreams came true. And dreams do come true. And you will be an instrument of blessing. But you got to choose to step into that destiny and be like Joseph. Here's how to do it. Give God all the credit. Get this down. Give God all the credit. God's favor was on him because he put God first. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was successful in all of his ways. That's what the scripture says. The favor of God brought him success. The favor of God will make you stand out. The favor of God will get you noticed and bring you success. So therefore, give God credit now. Don't wait for the moment when you see your dreams begin to come to pass. You have to do it now. Be like Joseph. Do not give up in the middle of your darkest night because you've got a choice. You can either give up like everyone else does or you can press forward in the grace of God because God wants to do things in you and through you. It may take years and you know it may take decades because our timeline isn't God's time but but Joseph was always blessed in this story. He really was because he was blessed down in the pit. He was blessed when he was sold on the auction block. He was blessed when, when he was accused of sexual harassment He was blessed when he was in the prison. So what is your low place? Can you see yourself as blessed of God even though the circumstances don't look good? You see, what the enemy wants to do is say, hey, look at the circumstances, you're not blessed. (laughs) You're not blessed. Why don't you just curse God and forget all about this? And the enemy's gonna try to pull you down. Why? It's because the truth is Satan knows his destiny. His destiny is an eternity in hell and he just wants to take you with him. It's that simple, guys. I don't know how to make it more simple. Don't let says, Satan's destiny become yours. <laughs> Don't give up in your darkest night. Be like Joseph and, and keep a, a, a strong work ethic and a vibrant attitude. Just, just keep, it, keep, keep your attitude and your work ethic going, moving forward no matter what's going on. It's because that same God who, who did good for Joseph, he can turn things around for you and he can bring good out of your challenges and your situations, he can bring good out of your betrayals, he can bring good out of, the, out of the pain that you're currently facing in the dark dungeon that you're in. All God is saying is, I just want you to love me, I just want you to love others, I want you to move through these tough times with me on your heart. See, Joseph didn't try to escape prison or slavery, he just kept his work ethic. He remained maintained a good attitude. Your circumstances might be far beyond your control, and actually they are for a lot of you right now. Yet Joseph waited patiently for God, and God was his vindicator, and God was his rewarder. Keep your attitude, keep your work ethic vibrant. Don't give up. And finally, be like Joseph. Bless and forgive the people who hate you, or that you even think hate you. Now this is a challenge, but God has forgiven you, so you cannot hold on to any unforgiveness. I say you don't understand, I was hurt. Well, I may not understand, but and I, I, I do acknowledge it's painful and I'm not trying to make light of pain, but, but hear hear me well. Unforgiveness will keep you bound up and will make you sick. Bless and forgive those who hate you. Bless and forgive those who hurt you. Bless and forgive your abuser. Bless and forgive those who have mistreated you and those who have forgotten all about you because there's a dream inside of you and God wants to bring that dream to pass and it depends on how you're going to handle the adversity of today so whether that dream is going to be fulfilled or not. So forgive and bless now. Jesus has something for you. I want every one of us just to Move into an attitude of prayer. And I'm gonna ask for no movement right now. Leaders, please pray. I want you to close your eyes and focus internally. Around here we talk a lot about Jesus. And if you want to know this Jesus that I talk about and you want to give your life to him. You you want to have a renewed sense of purpose. You want that slate to be clean. I want to give you an opportunity to respond. If you want to be included in a closing prayer, if you would love Jesus to be the Lord of your life and you're ready to turn your back on the old way of living, you want to get off that broad road that's leading to destruction, you want to get on the road of following Christ, now's the time. Now's the time. It's this simple. It's just by raising your hand and say, Pastor, I need Jesus and I want to pray this prayer with you. And if you lift your hand, I am going I'm going to pray with you and with everyone else in this room who lifts their hand. Come on, would you just lift your hand for me and say, Pastor, I need Jesus today. Yeah, thank you. Who else? I need Jesus today. Thank you. Who else? I need Jesus today. I want to receive him into my life. I'm putting him first. Come on, who else? Who else? Pastor, I need that today. That's what I desire. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Here's what I'm going to ask that you do. I'm going to ask that you, if you raise your hand along with everyone else in this room, to please stand. Stand to your feet right now. We're going to pray. We're going to pray, and we're going to pray this prayer. And I want you guys to mean it from the bottom of your heart. We're going to pray for salvation. We're also going to pray for God to take us to that next place, to move forward out of the darkness that we might be in toward that dream. Come on. I want you to pray these words with me. Come on, guys. Let's pray these words. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. Come on, say, I believe you're the Son of God. Please forgive me of my sins. Today I give up my past and I embrace the future that you have for me. Dear Lord, I am making the choice to move forward with my life and the dreams you've placed in me. I am making the choice to forgive those who have hurt me. I I am making the choice to keep you at the center of my life in every way and at every time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. For more information about how you can get involved with City Life locally, text CONNECT to 41411. Again, that's CONNECT to 41411 citylifecenter.org We would love to meet you.